Well, good morning, family. So good to see you. Always a joy, a privilege, and an honor um, just to have the opportunity to share with you, just to encourage you. Um, anytime that I get the opportunity to share, it's always coming from what God's already doing in my life and, and challenging me with, and it's just a joy that I get the privilege of doing this. So thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you to the leaders for trusting me, um, and thank you to you guys for actually wanting to sit here and listen. <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty important. So <laughs> I, um, I found something funny just with my little notes joke. Last night, um, we went to a friend's birthday thing, and it's a pretty worldly group of people. It's getting pretty intense. Guys, we're having a good time. Um, but I was sitting at this table with Jason Quartz and these other two guys, and they were just asking us questions about what we do, and I was just saying that basically I work for the church, even though I don't really. <laughs> I've given my life to the church. Um, and the, the dude says something to me. He's like, man, so did you go to like seminary school or did you, do you have like a degree in theology? And I was like, actually, no, man. I just read the book, believe what it says, and now I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do it through my life. And he was like, huh. <laughs> like, wow. And I just realized like, man, it's, the gospel is so simple. And when it is that simple, it's really attractive to people. They get really excited and they're like, oh, wow. Okay, so God can use you even though you don't have a theology degree. Ah, that's awesome. So that qualifies all of you then, which is pretty exciting. Except for Trevor, he's and my dad, they're pretty, yeah. They're, they're super apostles. And, oh yeah, you also got it, mom. Forgot about that, sorry. Woman's lib, Woo. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, Jessica's giving me looks here, yes. Awesome, man. So, can I just pray for myself? You can just reach your hands out. <laughs> Jesus, I just love you so much, and I thank you for the privilege of just being a mouthpiece for you, but not only that, Lord, that you would make my life the greatest sermon, Lord. And I pray that prayer for every person in this room, Lord Jesus, that our lives would be our greatest pulpit. This morning, Lord, I just thank you that I've got an opportunity just to encourage the bride, and I ask that you would fill my mouth this morning, Lord. I'm going to open it, and I pray that you fill it, otherwise we're going home early. So I just thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you can do what no man can do, that you can change hearts. So I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would say what you want to say. I yield my tongue to you. I yield my life to you. I yield my thoughts to you right now. And I just love you, Jesus. We love your presence. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. All right, so I've been pretty blown away um, with just <laughs> what God's actually doing right now. It's actually, it's so wild. This is still feeding a bit in the front here. It's ringing. Um, when we went into November um, with our home group, I felt the Lord say to me that November and December are going to be two months of consecration that are going to launch us into our destiny in 2019. And I shared that with the guys, and we've been praying into that and just like really being intentional about these two months and just being with the Lord. And then suddenly all these prophetic words start coming out from prophets, well-known prophets all across the earth, Nate Johnson, Lana Forster, a whole bunch of people start saying things like November and December are times of consecration that are going to launch you into 2019. And what God's going to do in 2019 is bigger than anything you could dream of. And these months are crucial times. Then Bill Johnson a couple days ago gets up and says the next 90 days are going to be crucial because what God's going to do in 2019 is like nothing we've ever seen before. And suddenly all these guys are making these comments and I'm going, oh my word, Lord, you're doing something here, but you're also doing something across the earth. 
This is the harvest of harvests. This is the great commission. This is the greatest move of God that the world has ever seen. And believers are coming to alignment all across the earth. And so you need to get pumped. You need to get excited. If you're not excited, whack yourself a few times. Ask Jesus to reveal this dream because it is so big. It's so amazing. It's so wild. And God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Like it's not a, you know what I love is because it's his dream and not mine, it's going to happen because it's in his hand. So he's going to do it. And he wants to partner with us. And he's so pumped. He's so stoked to use us as his kids to do the job. And he's like, if you want to be the pen that I write the story with, consecrate yourself and I'll make you the pen and you can write the story. You can write his story, history. Come on, this is what it's about. So anyway, I've been praying into this and um, it was amazing. A couple of weeks ago, my dad, um, he spoke about, well, he used Joshua 5 in one of his preachers and I'd been reading that and I was just stuck in Joshua 5 and 6. And um, basically, let me give you some context before we, we dive into it. But what's just happened is that Moses has died um, and they have been promised by God that they're going to go into the promised land. He's given it to them and they're on the, the one side of the Jordan River and God commissions Joshua. And basically, he says to Joshua that um, everything that I entrusted Moses with, I'm entrusting you with. Uh, same authority, same power. You're going to see amazing signs, wonders, miracles. And then he says this one line. He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So he's telling Joshua that basically you're gonna win, which is an awesome thing to hear from God. It's like, sweet. God's like, there's even a scripture that says, no man will come against you, no man will be victorious against you. I'm, I'm on you, I've got you, this is gonna be amazing. Imagine hearing that from the Lord. By the way, that's what he speaks over you every single day. Just a side thought, you win. Super exciting. So Joshua hears this from the Lord, he's commissioned, he's super stoked, and then uh, he decides, okay, we're, we're going to take the promised land, God's given us this region, he says that it's ours, think about that for a second, he's given it to them already, they don't have it, they haven't gone into the land, they don't own any of it, they haven't possessed any of it, but he's given it to them. It's an interesting place to be in, when you look at something and you go, God said that's mine, but I don't have it. <laughs> How many people can relate with that? Come on. Uh, that's so real to me, man. So Joshua sends, oh man, this is really feeding you. Um, Joshua sends uh, spies into Jericho. Jericho is the first city that they, they're planning to take. He sends spies into Jericho and uh, they go and, and check it out and find out what's going on. And then Rahab saves their lives um, because obviously they find out that there's spies and they're looking for them. And Rahab, she hides them away uh, and she says, please just spare me because I know that God's given you the city. I'm really just cutting the story short. They come back, obviously they tell Joshua all the stuff, and then what I love is that God speaks to, to Joshua and says, okay, it's time to cross the Jordan River, this is how I'm gonna do it, send the ark out first. They do this, they go across the river, and the river splits, everyone gets across, they get to the other side, the river closes again, and um, one of the things Joshua says when he's explaining to the people that they're gonna cross this river, I love this, he says, it's uh, Joshua 3, verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And I kind of feel like that's what he's saying right now, like in November, December. It's like, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, this next season coming. You're going to see the most amazing signs, wonders, miracles that we've ever, ever seen, right? And so I felt like the Lord was saying that. And then what's amazing is, uh, go 
They crossed the river, they're on the other side, and now uh, there's this new generation that Joshua is leading. So a whole bunch of people came out with Moses, they disobeyed God, they weren't listening to the Lord, and basically they didn't get to walk into the promise that God had given them. So their children got to do it. So there was this new generation, and with this new generation, they weren't um, circumcised, and circumcision is just it's symbolic of consecration. That's really what it is. And so these, these guys aren't, aren't circumcised, and so God tells Joshua, circumcise the whole nation, all of them because it's a whole new generation, circumcise the whole thing, consecrate them for the Lord. So he does that, incredible, I'd encourage you to read that, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, circumcises the whole, the whole nation, they consecrate themselves to the Lord, they stay in their camp, they get healed, and now they're ready to go and possess Jericho. And so Joshua now is the leader, he's gonna go seek Jesus, seek the Lord, and say, okay, what do we do? You've said that this is ours, we don't have it, what now? Everyone with me? Okay, listen to what happens. Joshua chapter five from verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I don't know about you, but this is how I process stuff and think about it in my head. Joshua is seeking the Lord about how, he wants, how God wants them to take Jericho. The captain of heaven's armies arrives with his sword drawn. Now, for those of you who don't know, the captain of heaven's armies is Jesus. So Jesus is standing before him with a, with a sword drawn which automatically means he's either been fighting or he's about to fight, <laughs> right? So Jesus arrives, Joshua goes and says, okay, are you for us or against us? And he says, no, <laughs> I'm the captain of, the, of heaven's army, right? So Joshua falls and says, Lord, what would you have your servant do? Now, Joshua is seeking the strategy to take the promise. And this is what Jesus says to Joshua, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So I started to wrestle with this and say, okay, Lord, how many people in this room, I, I know for myself this is real, but how often are we going to the Lord and saying, God, I know that you've promised this over my life. I can see it, but I don't have it. God, what's the strategy to get there? How do I get there? And Jesus is standing with his sword drawn and he's saying, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So I started to say, okay, Jesus, you need to show me what this is all about. And he, one line just dropped in my spirit. He said, before every breakthrough is an encounter with his holiness. And I thought, whoa, okay, let's wrestle with that one. Let's sit on that. Before every breakthrough is an encounter with his holiness. Then I started to look at, okay, he took his shoes off. So he had to take his shoes off because it's holy ground. Moses has an encounter with a burning bush where God calls him and says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring breakthrough and liberty to my people. But before that, <laughs> take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. So I was going, man, before these incredible moments of breakthrough and victory, God's saying there's an encounter with my holiness, something in this. So I started to go and look up why they took their shoes off in Israel. Why was it part of the culture to take your shoes off when you were showing respect, right? So I found a couple of things out, which I love. Very simple, super profound. In Israel at the time, when you went to somebody's house, you took your shoes off before you walked inside, right? It was a sign of respect and honor. Do you know why though? When you do that, it's a symbol of saying, I am submitting and surrendering to your way of living. 
That means I am coming into your house where you have authority and I am surrendering to the way that you live. <laughs> okay, I was super blown away by that. <laughs> what he's saying is when you take your shoes off, the first thing is you're, you're actually laying down everything and submitting to God's authority. So what's happening here is before you can go and take what he's given you, before you're gonna get any strategy or anything to do with what you know is yours, he's saying there's an encounter with my holiness where you take off your shoes and you surrender to my authority. So you surrender to his authority, you surrender to his way of living. Then there's another thing which I went and studied which blew me away. In Ruth with Boaz, these are the only times that it talks about taking your shoes off, but Boaz has a relative and Boaz is asking his relative to uh, basically buy some land and, and win Ruth over so that they can save her. And there's a whole long little thing there. But he says, I'm not gonna do that, but I take off my shoe and I exchange my rights. I give my right to you to do it. So the Boaz kinsman gives him his shoe and says, you go buy the stuff and get Ruth and you marry her. So it was a, you take off the shoe and it's a symbol of yielding your rights, giving up your rights to somebody else, Okay. So now God starts to work on me and I'm going, okay, Lord, so it's a surrendering to your authority. It's surrendering to your way of living and it's giving up all my rights, giving you all my rights, giving up my will. And then I thought about something else. If I, where they were, where they were at, the Israelites, they were in the wilderness. You don't go anywhere without your shoes. It's some pretty rough ground. If you go and study where they were at, it's some pretty harsh terrain. You need, and it's hot, the sand is hot. So you need your shoes. So when you take your shoes off and give them to Jesus, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so guess what you've just done? You've surrendered the direction of your life as well. So God started to reveal to me that before any breakthrough in your life is an encounter with His holiness, and when you encounter His holiness, you take off your shoes, you surrender to His authority, you surrender your rights, you, you surrender to His way of living, and you surrender the direction of your life. In other words, even though you know God has spoken a dream over your life, you're not going there until he says so. Come on. Come on. Oof. <laughs> Come on. This gets me so pumped. Sometimes I have to like deep breaths, Whew. communicate. So this is incredible. So he goes into, so Jesus tells him this, he has this encounter, and then after this, where he's taken off his shoes, he gets the strategy. God gives him the strategy. This is how we're gonna do it. And he explains, you guys know the story of Jericho, round and round and round the city walls until the seventh day, then you do it twice, then you raise up a shout, and when you raise up the shout, when the, trumpets, when the priests play the trumpet, you raise up a shout, the walls will come falling down. So he communicates that to the people, and they go and do this. And on the seventh day, they've obeyed everything. On the seventh day, they go around twice, then the priests blow the trumpet, and he says, right, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Okay? Once again, think about this for a second. When if God gave me that strategy to go and take a city, there is no war in that. <laughs> there is no, like, you want me to walk around the city and sing some songs? You want me to walk around the city and raise a big shout? And then we're gonna win the city? With these massive walls? See, you won't do that until you've taken off your shoes. Right? Anyway, we're gonna come back to that. So they do this. 
The priests blow the trumpet. There's a sound that's raised up over the people. And then Joshua says, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And they begin to shout. And they're going nuts. I mean, I just picture them standing around the city just going, I mean, I'd go ape. I'd just like bang pots and like, and suddenly the walls come down and they go and take the city. But guess what's so interesting? When, when Jesus gave Joshua the strategy, he told Joshua that they're not allowed to have anything from Jericho. Not a single thing. The only thing that they could spare was Rahab because she saved the spies. So then I started to wrestle with this and I was like, whoa, okay, hold on, Lord. You said that that's our promised land. You split a river so we can walk through it. You come down, the captain of heaven's army is sword drawn. He's already won the battle. The city's already been given to you. Jesus has won it. Gives you the strategy. Take the city. The walls supernaturally come falling down. You can raid the city, conquer it, burn the whole thing, but you can't keep any of the wealth of Jericho. Not a single bit. See, when I read my Bible, I'm real. I'm like, nah, come on now. You just said that's the promised land. You said that the city's been given to us, but we can't have any of the wealth. And then I said, okay, Lord, you got to teach me and explain to me. And then he said this, if God had given Israel the wealth of Jericho, then they would have settled for Jericho and never fully possessed the promised land. (laughs) Come on, think about this, man. Jericho is this massive city. Do you know that Jericho was this huge city with these massive walls? The houses were built into the walls. Rahab's house was built into the wall. I mean, this is a massive city. There's a lot of wealth. There's some seriously powerful warriors, a really wealthy king. This is a massive city. And God says, you can have it, destroy the whole thing and don't keep anything. It's mine. So, this is what the Lord spoke to me about. If you think that the dream of God for your life is connected to your prosperity, then it's your dream and not God's. <laughs> if you think that the dream of God for your life is connected to your prosperity, then it's your dream and not God's. See, if it was up to the Israelites, they would have taken the wealth of Jericho. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death and destruction. There's a way that seems right. God's given us the promised land. He's given us the city of Jericho. We've conquered it. He supernaturally brought the walls down. Now we should be enjoying the wealth of Jericho. And God's saying, don't touch it. Is this this kind of making sense a little bit? (laughs) So he explained to me, he said, he spoke to, to Moses and he said, it's a land of milk, flowing with milk and honey. Everything that you need is in this promised land. Everything that you need as a people is in what I have given you. But when I tell you not to touch something, don't touch it. Why? Because typical man will settle for that and never get to the fullness of what God's actually called us to do. See, sometimes God's asking you to give up something that you thought you really wanted for something so much bigger. See, in order for, in order for God's dream to reign in our lives, our dreams have to die first. Let me say that again. In order for God's dream to reign in your life, your dreams have to die first. Your dreams were too small anyway. 
That's a hard one to wrestle with because most of us go, I've got this dream and God, you've got to make this dream happen. And God's your lucky charm so that your dream becomes a reality. When, when actually, I'm pretty sure most of those Israelites after all that time going through the wilderness, they were pretty stoked to get some Jericho. They were going, come on, we've been contending for this for years and years. Our fathers were contending for this. It's been 40 years of wrestling and contending and struggling and it's been so hard and all this. And now we've got this massive city, this incredible thing, but God says, we can't have it. Keep moving, possess the land. I don't know about you, but I'd be sitting there going like, oh man, you know, sheesh, isn't the Lord providing for my needs by giving me Jericho? Isn't the wealth of Jericho exactly what the people of Israel need right now? I don't know about you guys either, but I've never been in a place where I don't have any food unless God drops manna from heaven every day. It's a pretty desperate place. Some of you are like, it kind of feels like that sometimes, brother. <laughs> but I've never been in a place where it's like, okay, if, I, if he doesn't drop food in front of me, like I don't have, there's no food. And it's in that place that he told them to leave Jericho and move on. I just want you to understand the bigness of, before we move on from this, like, he told them that he's given them the city. It's part of their inheritance, but you're not allowed to have it. See, if you don't have an encounter with his holiness, where you've given up everything and you've surrendered to his authority, you've surrendered to his way of living, you've surrendered your rights, and you've surrendered the direction of your life. If that doesn't happen, you'll stop at Jericho and never actually walk in what God's called you to walk in. So I promise you now, this is what the Lord spoke to me about our church. This is where we've been right now as a church. We have been contending for something. We've been believing for something that God has promised over this house. If you don't know what that promise is, it is total revival. It is, it is an oasis of glory that rocks a city, a nation, and the nations of the earth. You can go, oh, 24-7, 60 people in a room. Yeah, 60 people in a room contending for the transformation of the globe. That's the dream, right? So God speaks that over 24-7 church. We can see it. He says that he's given it to us, but we don't have it yet. So what do we do? And we have a choice. We can be like the older generation of the Israelites who just roamed around a wilderness waiting for something to happen. Or we can consecrate ourselves for tomorrow. The Lord's going to do wonders among you, what Joshua said. Or we can actually take a generation, consecrate ourselves take the whole church and say, as a church, we want to consecrate ourselves for the dream of God, not for my own personal dream. Jericho died in my heart a long time ago. I left it back with Egypt. But now I'm going into what God's called me to do. And then there's an encounter right before when, when you're standing by the river and you're looking across and you can see it and it's right there and God's saying, I've given that to you. And then you're saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How are we gonna get it? And he's saying, take off your shoes. And for a lot of people in this room, you've been wrestling in this season going, God, I know that you wanna do all this stuff, but how? How? How are we gonna do it? I, you've given me the why. You've told me when, but how? How are we gonna do this thing that you've called us to do? And he's saying, take off your shoes. See, this whole yieldedness, the surrender thing that we've been stuck on the whole year. Do you wanna know why we've just drilled it and drilled it and we can't get off of it and we keep coming back to it? Because the age that we live in right now, it's really hard to surrender. It's really hard because there's so many options and you've got a little bit of power and control. It's all fake, but you think that you've got this stuff. 
And so it's easier to swipe the credit card than it is to actually trust Jesus to provide. Just catch what I'm saying this morning. So why does God keep saying, you haven't got it, keep surrender, 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 yield, 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 consecrate, consecrate. Lord, but aren't we gonna get to the, take your shoes off. But uh, the city's right there, let's go take the city. How are we gonna take, take your shoes off? That's where we've been at, guys. That's where we've been at right now. God's saying, take your shoes off. Surrender to my authority. Surrender to my way of living, my way of thinking, the way that I operate. Give up your rights to me. But God, I am a son of God. I deserve prosperity. See, does God want to bless you? Yes. Does God want you to be prosperous? Yes. But he wants something more than that, the bride. See, what happens when God says, okay, Connor, lay down everything, move to Afghanistan. In fact, I'm going to use this story. A young man by the name of John Chow, young missionary, goes to an island uh, in the Andaman Islands, the Northern Sentinel Island, whatever it's called, with a, a group of about 140 people that have never been reached by man. In fact, the Indian government has shut off the borders four kilometers from there. You can't go there because they're trying to protect this group of people. This oak has the courage to lay his life down, spend a whole lot of money, and go there to preach the gospel, and he gets shot by arrows and dies. Young dude, it's all over the news, and guess what they're doing? Slating him and saying that he's stupid for doing that. And then they say, you know why? Because he was going there, and he was going to bring diseases that they've never had before. And Lou Engel said something so powerful. He said, we risked there taking those diseases. Uh, they were going to hell. It's a bigger disease than whatever else you think you're going to bring there. See how the way of man is so, it's so sick and twisted. A man lays down his life to go and tell people about Jesus. And we say, oh, he's so, what, so stupid. Why would he do that? He's taking diseases to them that they've never had before. They, if they don't hear about Jesus, they're going to hell. So what makes... What makes a man like that go and do that, lay his life down, when actually, but I'm a son of God, I deserve prosperity. I thought God blesses me. What if the will of God for his life was to make a statement that would echo through eternity? What if God's will for his life was for a young man to go lay his life down that would spark a movement in a generation to lay their lives down for a greater cause? That's kingdom. So you've got to sit here today and wrestle with this and say, if my dream is connected, sorry, if my dream, if God's dream in my life is connected to my prosperity, it's not God's dream, it's mine. Does God want to bless you? Yes, he wants to bless you, but there's something that matters more than that. And it's the great commission. Do you know that the reason we're sitting in this room this morning isn't so that you can get goosebumps and feel better about yourself. You're here to get equipped and stoked and fired up and refueled and ready to run out there and change the world. That's why you're here. If you don't leave this room, there's a massive sign, if you haven't seen it, right above the door, it says you are now entering the mission field. The moment that you step out of that door, you are now a light in the darkness ready to change the world. That's what God's called you to do. Why? Because it's the promised land. It's our inheritance. God's called us as a church to do that. And he's saying, don't stop and settle for Jericho. I told you, you can't have it. But God, prosperity, you said that I'm blessed. Look, at the, the wealth is right here. If I take this business deal, this is what I'm going to get. And God says, leave it. Or God says, take the business deal, don't take the money. Or he says, take the business deal, sow the money into the kingdom. 
see it. A.W. Tozer, I love this quote. He says, God is looking for people through which he can do the impossible. What a pity we plan only things we can do by ourselves. See, it takes a group of people that are thinking God wants to do something impossible to walk past Jericho. It takes a group of people that are like, this is so much bigger than one city. We didn't, we didn't contend for 40 years for Jericho. We contended for 40 years because God's given us a massive promised land that goes way beyond Jericho. And not just that, it's going to be a piece of land that changes the world forever. You've got to go and say, okay, Lord, the dream of God over my life is connected to the dream of God in the body. What are you doing, Lord? What are you building? What are you putting together? What are you asking me to do? Because here's the thing that's so amazing. Why did Jesus make Joshua take the people around Jericho seven times or seven days? Was it seven times? Seven, day, seven days, always seven days, yeah. Why did he take them around seven days? If he's already won the battle and he says the city has been given to you, why not just say, walk up to it and say, the Lord has given me the city, falls down and just walk in? Why seven days? Why walk round and round and round? And then at a specific time, don't make any noise until the last one, then shout. And there's all these little instructions on how to do it. Why? If it's already been given to you. See, because Jesus is interested in your obedience. See, because your obedience unlocks the promised land. And obedience isn't a burden, it's a joy. Listen to what I'm saying here. Joshua must be pretty stoked when he realizes that God's going to give him the city without any war. They don't have to fight. They don't have to do, the walls are just going to come falling down. But God's saying, I want you to be obedient with what I've called you to do. Sometimes in that obedience, it's like, I want you to walk around the wall seven times. What? No, that can't be God. I'm just, that's my own conscience or the other, that's some other voice that I'm hearing. And God's saying, no, I want you to be obedient. Walking around the wall seven times has nothing to do with the walls falling down, but it does have something to do with your heart. See, God is so interested in your heart. God is so interested in winning your heart that you would trust him with everything. That if God says, walk around the wall seven times, I walk around the wall seven times. Why? Because he said so. See, with this group of people that think this way, that think kingdom, there's only one thing that matters to them and that's what he's saying next. It's a group of people that live, what are you saying, God? Okay, obedience. Okay, we did that. What are you saying, God? Obedience. Okay, what, that's how we live. And you'll be more effective like that in the kingdom than trying to have your plan and your strategy and think that you've got this whole thing planned out. And that's why so many of us in this room today have been struggling and going, God, why can't we just get strategy? Because we still haven't taken our shoes off. We're standing there, we're beholding Jesus with his sword drawn and we're going, sweet, why haven't you given it to us? That's a sick sword. Why don't you stab some people with it so we can get the promised land? And God's saying, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes and surrender, surrender to his authority. Surrender to his way of life. Surrender your rights. Surrender your shoes so that you can't go anywhere until he gives them back to you. And you're gonna find for the rest of your life before every season of breakthrough, when God's asking, asking you to contend for something, before you actually possess it, there's gonna be an encounter with his holiness. 
And that's why I promise you now, in December, the Lord is saying to 24-7, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. I'm gonna do great wonders among you. Great wonders. 2019 is going to blow your mind. I promise you. And guess how it's gonna blow your mind? It's not gonna be the year that you get all the prosperity and the blessing that you think you're gonna get. It's gonna be the year that the dream of God becomes the heartbeat of the bride again. When the bride is beating with one heart, with one vision, with one hope. It's the advancement of the kingdom. See, if it was about prosperity, why the heck was Paul living mostly in prisons? Because what happens when lack manifests itself in your life? If, if prosperity has something to do with the dream of God for your life, you're gonna be shaken when prosperity isn't there. Because Paul said, I've known, I know what it's like to have abundance, I know what it's like to have lack. Paul was a pretty, he was a pretty good dude. He was a champion, man. And he had both. Oh, but Paul must have done something wrong to have lack. No. He was just being obedient in everything God called him to do. What happens when God says, I want you to reach the Philippian jail? <laughs> Phones them up, just book me a room, I'll be there in three days. Probably gonna get whipped at entry, so. See, there's a different way of thinking when it's his dream and not yours. So you've gotta understand, you are a yielded vessel for him to use. You're a surrendered son and daughter with only one agenda and it's the agenda of heaven. It doesn't matter whether you like your job or don't like your job. It matters as to whether God's told you to be there or not. Because if he's told you to be there, there's purpose in that. And if your joy is found in him, your joy isn't found in your job. So it just doesn't matter. I'm here to shine. Oh, but you don't understand what I have to face every day. Who cares? Jesus is king. Oh, but seriously, that's so harsh, Connor. Wow. You should be more pastoral. No, you should be more like Jesus. Because think about it for a second. Jesus is the son of God. And he comes here and he actually, he realizes what he's about to go into. So much so that he's sweating blood. The son of God is sweating blood with anguish, knowing what he's about to feel and, and experience and face in the natural. Surely he could have been like, Lord, there's another way. We're God. We can sort this out. Isn't there a way to do this without getting whipped broken? Nails in my hands, ridiculed, spat on. But Jesus' prayer is a model for all of us. And he says, Lord, not my will, but your will. There's a natural cry from him and he goes, Lord, please take this cup from me. But guess what is straight away when that comes out, Holy Spirit in and brings him straight back into submission. But not my will, your will. Lord, I'm struggling to pay my bills this month. What am I gonna do? Not my will, your will. What are you doing, God? What are you saying? See, people that think like that, we're gonna change the world. Because you can't squash them. You just can't beat them. You know, one of the words that, uh, I think it was Lana Foster, I don't know how you say her surname, she said that the, the people of God are gonna be unstoppable in this next era. That's the word, unstoppable. You know how we're unstoppable? Because natural things don't stop us. <laughs> 
like Jesus is getting whipped and beaten and broken and spat on and ridiculed, and he just keeps going and he just keeps going and he gets up on that cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he's prepared to give the ultimate sacrifice. Why? Because he's living for the dream of God, not for, not for this thing here, this self-life. We're not building self-empires. It means nothing. You're gonna stand before Jesus one day and say, Lord, I built this big self-empire. And he's gonna, Phew, it's just gonna disappear. And suddenly you're standing there, ah. The reality is God's actually called us to change the world. God has called us to reach people. That's what you live for. You, you exist to reach the lost and the broken. You know, it breaks my heart to think that the way that the church has to grow nowadays is by institution and organizational structures and systems. Well, if you don't have successful websites and social media things and events and pamphlets and, uh, you know, signs at the door telling you that you... What about a, a church that grows because the love of God is transforming society? What about a church that grows because there's a group of people that are so nuts, so crazy that they are living for the impossible and, and people look at that and they go, that is so dangerous and I want it because they were born for this. They look at a group of people that have this crazy look in their eye like God's given us this whole thing, but I'm going to leave Jericho and just keep going. Leave Jericho? You're going to give your whole salary away? People go like, Honestly, I look at the faces and they're all like, <laughs> good joke. The reality is there's a time coming where businessmen and women are going to be so radical that they are going to astound society. Businesses are going to freak out at the ridiculous generosity of businessmen and women. Why? Because we actually need finances to, to achieve what God's called us to achieve. Unfortunately, I can't walk from here to Nepal. Gavin can. <laughs> but I can't. Do you see what I'm saying? God's placed you in a sphere. And, they, and I want to break this over business guys as well today. You are not just there to make money. You're there to get your business saved. I meet with so many business guys that are constantly like, man, I just want to, I want to fund you so that you can go and do what God's called you to do. No, I want to back you so that you can do what God's called you to do in business. Get them saved. Turn them inside out. Get, rock the business for Jesus. There's a, a massive um, agriculture company, AFGRI, it is AFGRI, eh? here in South Africa, the owner took the business off the stock market, eh? just so that he could have full control and run it as a, Christ, a Christian business. Whew, that's gutsy. It was something like two billion or something to do it. This is what God's doing. He's raising up people that think about the impossible. They're ready to say, Lord, I, there's an encounter with your holiness before I possess what you've given me. I'm taking off my shoes. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You want me to walk around it seven times? You want me to give everything away? Lord, I, I do have a family and I've got things that I've got to do. I've got to provide for them. And God's going, you don't think I know that? I gave you that family. But I want you to do this. Will you be obedient? Okay, Lord, they can have it. <laughs> Prosperity and abundance. <laughs> Because the prosperity wasn't tied to the dream, it's just a blessing, because he's a good dad. That's the difference. The difference is I'm not expecting prosperity, all I wanna do is waste my life on Jesus. But prosperity comes my way because he's my dad. He looks after me and he loves me. And the moment that that stops is probably the day that, I'm, that I die, because it just means I'm meant to be at home. Does this make sense? Uh, there's more, but I just, I think let's stay there.
God is raising up 24-7 church to be a community that are so lost in God, so found in God, so it's the mysteries of the gospel. It's, everything is just, we, we wanna waste our lives on God. We're dreaming about the impossible. When people talk to us, we say things that are crazy. Like the whole nation of South Africa is gonna be saved. What? That's 55 million people, bro. I know, can you believe it? Or this, the North Sentinel Island and the Andaman Islands, 140 people are gonna come to know Jesus and I'm prepared to lay my life down for it. You're crazy, man. The government has isolated them. They've, you must respect them. Respect them. Save them. Come on, man. Respect them. Respect them and let them go burn. <laughs> you can't be in 24-7 church and not want to be a revivalist. You won't feel comfortable. <laughs> like... It's just the culture of this house. If you're part of this house, you're a revivalist because it's just the DNA of the gospel. It's what Jesus was. And God has called you to reach a specific group of people. And see, look, I'm already turning this into an evangelist preach. I can't help myself. My point today was that we're in a season as a church where God wants you to take off your shoes, consecrate yourself to him because 2019, he's gonna do wonders that you've never ever experienced, seen or known before. You're gonna see the supernatural, the miraculous signs, wonders, miracles, salvations, transformations, explosive growth in the church, business deals that are going to freak you out because God's gonna trust you with finances for the dream of God. 24-7 church is gonna be known as an oasis of revival. It's gonna be known as a church that raise up crazy wild lovers of God and sends them into the nations. And the nations can be down the road or thousands of kilometers away. Just so you know, we're in a nation. Because people keep throwing that at me. Oh, what about South Africa? It's a nation. The nations, whether it's the first step you take outside of this door or whether you fly to Taiwan, it doesn't matter. But God is doing something incredible. And I wanna, I wanna release hope inside of you today. I wanna encourage you and say, if you would just stop worrying about the how. See, I just find God so amazing with this. He says, I'm gonna give you the why. This is why I want you to do this. And I'm gonna show you the when, but don't worry about the how, I've got it. And the thing that we struggle with is control. So we go, ooh, I don't know if I'm okay with that. I love the why, I'm so stoked about the when, but that how, that's really important to me. Because if I don't feel like I've got this thing, how am I gonna do it? And God's saying, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off, surrender, put your face in the dirt. Yeah, there we go. Put your face in the dirt and say, Jesus, what would you have your servant do? Jesus, what would you have your servant do? Are you encouraged? Thank you. Arise. <laughs> you know, I was, I was praying this morning and like I said, I have to really concentrate not to turn a sermon into an evangelism sermon, like equipping you to go preach the gospel, but it's all part of it. But I really, when I was praying this morning, I was like, Lord, I just wanna see your power. I wanna see miracles, signs, wonders, and people slain and thrown across the room, and I wanna see all that. And he said to me, cool, man, I just wanna encourage them. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, this is that part where I take my shoes off, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> surrender to his will and his ways. And I really felt like today, God just wants to breathe life over you. God just wants to encourage you and say, yes, your dreams have to die, but it's really not painful because they were so small anyway. 
They were so dumb and small. And my dream is wild and crazy and full of adventure and full of life and hope. And when you stand before Jesus one day, I want to stand before my king and say, God, we had a wild adventure. We saw God do amazing, wild, crazy things. And I got the privilege of being a part of a group of people, 24-7 church, that were as crazy as I was. Because that's what God's called us to. So God wants to raise up a people that would dare to believe for impossibilities. That would dare to believe to do the impossible and wouldn't settle for Jericho. Even though Jericho might be what you need right now. Because I'll end with this statement. If Jesus is all that you need, then he's already provided. Because we sing songs about it. Jesus, you're all that I need, but I really need some money. I thought I was all that you need. (laughs) If Jesus is all that you need, then he's already provided. And when you live in that place of surrender, he takes care of you. All right. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you for this beautiful, amazing, wild, beautiful group of people, Lord. Man, they are so awesome. I thank you for this bride full of color, full of expressions of your glory. Every single person in this room has an expression of you that we've never seen before, that we are so excited for it to explode in this place, Lord. Father, I pray today as you are leading us into the the season of consecration that we've been in, but it's it's more than just a season, it's life with you, God. I thank you that we are a people that are prepared to say, Lord, have my shoes. (laughs) I wanna throw my life at your feet and say, God, I'm not getting up until you conquer me. Conquer me, Lord, conquer me today, Lord Jesus. I thank you that today, Lord, you put financial burden to death in every single person, Lord. It's not about whether it's fixed or not, it's about putting it to death because it's just about what you're saying next. And so I pray that we would be a people that believe for the impossible, that we would be a people that are prepared to do what you've called us to do. And I thank you that the dream of God has become the heartbeat of 24-7 church. It's the dream of God that's pumping life into every vein and every muscle, every part of this body, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that we cannot do it without believing for the dream of God. And so God, I pray for every businessman and woman in this church right now. Every single one of them, Lord. I thank you for such a radical, fresh fire that falls on them right now, that just consumes their whole life, that begins to reform the way that they think, begins to fill them with faith to contend and believe for the impossible in their business. I thank you for a people that would begin to risk and trust you for the supernatural, Lord. Father, I thank you that it has nothing to do with whether we like where we're at or not. It has to do with the fact that we're in love with Jesus and you are king. And you wanna use us to change every life that you've placed in front of us, Lord. So Lord, as a church, we just say, what would you have your servant do? What would you have us do, Lord? We just love you, Jesus. You're so beautiful. You're so worthy. We've just stepped into a new realm of freedom this morning. Because freedom is inside of you. His name is Jesus. Everything that you need is in Him. Everything. That's why you can walk past Jericho.
that's why you can walk past Jericho. Jericho.